0: CHAPTER 27 MOVING BACK AND MOVING ON LATER YEARS IN SOLOMON ISLANDS AND Bougainville, 1981-2003 The life of most people is not a straight, unwavering path. The difficulties and setbacks which occur provide opportunities for renewed attempts and different directions. This is the experience of the Maris brothers in Melanesia, and so the final chapter of this story describes new beginnings in old places, adjustment to changing circumstances and moving on in daring and hope. This concluding chapter summarizes recent Maris brothers' history in the places where our story began, Solomon Islands and Bougainville. Hujana High School, Bougainville While brother Julian Huckerman was stranded in Booker in 1990, the interim authorities on the island wished to reopen the government high school at Hujana on Booker Island, which had closed earlier that year as a result of the hostilities. The authorities asked Julian to assist a group of willing teachers to open the school. Among the teachers was former Maris brother Kevin Marimias. Julian felt some responsibility for Rigu, where Brian Leake and Gonzaga Nabs still hoped for an early return to normalcy. However, District Superior Des Howard suggested that it would be most unwise for Julian, a Booker man, to return to Rigu because of the tensions existing between the Booker people and central Bougainvillians. He encouraged Julian to accept the offered position and arranged for brother Bernard McGrath, who had recently left Marbury, to join Julian at Hujena from the beginning of 1991. Julian assumed the headmastership of Hujena High School and together with Bernard and a small group of staff began the task of recreating the school, starting with an enrolment of about 200 students. School facilities were mostly intact although the laboratories and the classroom had been burned during the fighting. At the beginning of 1992, brother Malcolm Hall joined their small community. The war had changed both the students and the teachers. It was the brothers' first experience of educating traumatised young people, a task demanding extraordinary patience and understanding. The brothers left to Jenner at the end of 1992, Julian for overseas renewal, Malcolm to return to Australia for a time, and Bernard to, a, to join brother Ken Macdonald at Bishop Wade High School, Tallina. Bishop Wade High School, Tallina, Bougainville. Like countless other Bougainvillian women, Bernadette Roper, a cellar woman from hantua village in north bougainville experienced the progress of the crisis with great heartache she was convinced that one way forward was to restore education to the island bringing the young fighters and refugees out of the bush that is out of the fighting zone and back into school hujana high school reopened on Booker island in 1991 but there were no spaces available for students from mainland Bougainville, where all schools had ceased operation. Supported by her husband and with encouragement from village leaders, Mrs Roper gathered some teachers together and opened a high school in 1992. She describes the early days of the school and her decision to invite the Maris brothers to assist. Quote, I thought of all those young people out there in the bush. I knew deep down they wanted to continue their education. With assistance from many people, we opened a school at Tallina, using the facilities of St Anne's Vocational Centre at Tallina for classrooms and girls' accommodation, while the boys were accommodated three kilometres away at Chiroge, which had been a vocational centre for boys before the crisis. At Chiroge, the traumatic events of the war soon became obvious at first i was really stunned by some of the things the boys did it was not normal behavior for bougainville students for example they wanted to fight hurting or bullying one another there was vandalism of the buildings and other problems which we had rarely seen in our bougainville schools of course we had to deal with the dreadlocks and the ever-present aggressive manner of the boys. That kind of behaviour was reflecting hurts that were inside. These young men came out from war, accustomed to holding guns, but deep down they knew they must continue their education. So they had to make that commitment to leave the fighting behind and just concentrate on school. I felt very much for these young people and I wanted to support them but I knew I couldn't handle this on my own. The couple of male teachers we had to look after them were not not able to cope. I had to look elsewhere. I wanted someone who had a heart for young people, especially the boys, someone who could handle them gently. I asked the people who I knew would help. In 1992, we invited the Maris brothers to come in. I was on the Rigu staff in 1989, I knew the way the brothers worked. I knew they would be able to help these young people." End of quote. In 1993, Ken Macdonald and Bernard McGrath were the first brothers appointed to Bishop Wade High School. Just a few months after brother Brian Leake's evacuation from central Bougainville, Ken and Bernard worked hard in assisting Bernadette Roper and the staff to establish a smoothly functioning school amid the difficulties caused by the crisis. The presence of the two brothers with the boys at Chiroge certainly contributed to a more ordered and peaceful tone among the students, achieved by setting clear expectations and by dealing with the students' problems in a compassionate manner. In September 1983, the new district superior, Brother Ray Arthur, reported in the district newsletter, Quote, at Tallina, Bernard McGrath and Ken McDonald have done extraordinary work. Even more important than the educational aspects have been their efforts in helping students deal with personal trauma. The brothers' presence has brought a new sense of life. It has given a realistic hope to these young people that things will be okay for them. The headmistress, Bernadette Roper, has worked hard to establish Bishop Wade High School at Tallina. End of quote. Other brothers joined the community in later years. For two years, Brother John Mauro assisted in counselling students. Brother Bernard Kangu helped at Chiroge for a time during 1995. Brother John Curry joined the teaching staff for one year and Brother Lawrence McCain for three years. Brother Julian Harkerman and Brother Malcolm Hall were attached to the Tallinn community but they lived at Hahila, on Booker Island while working at the Catholic Education Office in Booker. Bernadette Roper continued as headmistress of Tallina, until the time of writing, that is, until 2003, except for a period of three years when she served as Catholic Education Secretary. Supported by the brothers, Bernadette Roper has provided sound leadership firmly based on Marist educational values. She attended a special champagne course at Our Lady of the Hermitage, the Marist Brothers' Mother House, in France, in 1999. Brother Martin Connell served as headmaster in 2000 and 2001, a nostalgic return to the school, where he worked with brothers Simeon Mackenzie 40 years earlier, brothers Guy Yawangi, Simon Serrero, Jack Hapalitz, John Malamu, and Morris Pakarai worked at Tallina for varying times between 1999 and 2003. A significant event on 30 January 1996 was the death of brother Felix Koneana, the first Bougainvillian Marist brother to die. Felix had been appointed to a rural training centre on Santo Island, Vanuatu for 1996 and was in Lola Lima near Port Vila when he became ill in November 1995. Cancer of the elementary canal was diagnosed and it was found to be spreading rapidly. Felix died two months later at Father John Keady's house at Chabai on Bougainville, attended by his sisters, Sister Bernadette, CSN, and Teresa, and his cousin Elizabeth. Ken MacDonald, Bernard McGrath and John Curry had cared for Felix at Chirogay in the preceding weeks. Ken wrote about Felix's last days. Quote, Felix came from Port Moresby to spend the last few weeks of his life with us on Bougainville. Often we would spend time talking, but on days when he was too weak to talk, we would just be together. It was evident that God was very much part of Felix's life. His bed was surrounded by images of Jesus and Mary, and his rosary was always close at hand. This personal relationship with Jesus and Mary provided Felix with the courage to live his life to the full, even at the end. He was happy to die a Maris brother. He talked about his life as a brother and his time at Marbiri during the crisis. He also appreciated the renewal time he spent at Manziana in Italy in 1994, These were important times in Felix's life. He put his life in God's hands and trusted that all would be well in the end. End of quote. Felix was buried beside brother Simeon Mackenzie at Chirogay on 31 January 1996. Chirogay Postulancy, Bougainville. In 1999, the Chirigay brothers, who worked at Bishop Wade High School, along with all the male students, moved to the Tallina campus after Ozade built an entirely new school at Tallina as part of their reconstruction assistance for Bougainville. The Maris brothers gained permission to use the Chirigay site as a postulancy under the direction of Brother Magella Fitzpatrick, assisted by Brother John Paul Mauro. The postulancy at Chiroge began with 11 postulants in 1999, using as a residence Bishop Wade House, which was originally built as a diocesan centre during the 1960s. The building was in poor condition when the brothers moved in, having been used by fighting forces during the crisis and later for, for seven years as the boys dormitory for Bishop Wade High School. With assistance from many people, including a Rotary group from Australia, Magella completely renovated Bishop Wade House over the following years. The postulancy operated at Chirigay for three years, with a total of 15 postulants proceeding to the Lomere novitiate in Fiji. Magella returned to Australia at the end of 2001. The small number of Bougainville aspirants in 2002 was accompanied was accommodated at the Wewak postulancy. Buranotui Vocational Centre, Booker Island, Bougainville. Bernard McGrath travelled to Australia for a short time during 1995, returning to Bougainville later that year with the intention of opening a vocational school at Mabiri, as part of the brothers' plan for ongoing support of Bougainville during the crisis. The brothers' friends in central Bougainville reported that although Rigu had been destroyed, all buildings at Marbiri were intact. As movement around the island was still severely restricted, it was not feasible to open Marbiri, so Bernard was available to respond to an invitation from Father Herman Wurst, SM, to establish a vocational centre at Buranotui, a former Kataka school on Booker Island. Father Thomas Wade, later Bishop Wade, founded the Burnatui Catechist School in 1924, when the school had an opening enrolment of 76 catechists. With assistance from local communities, Bernard McGrath designed and built the vocational school, which was funded largely by overseas grants. The school took its first students in 1997, with an enrolment of approximately 30. Later, Bernard Kangu joined Bernard at Buranotui. Bernard McGrath introduced the Buranotui students to the small-scale farming methods which had operated successfully in Vanga Point's model farms for many years. The brothers worked at Buranotui for two years until conditions improved in central Bougainville and Bernard was able to resume planning for the Marbiri project. The Buranotui Vocational School was handed over to the diocese as a fully functioning center St Mary's High School Asitavi, Bougainville The story of St Mary's Asitavi really begins with the arrival of the Marist Missionary Sisters, SMSM, in Bougainville in 1901 The contribution of these sisters to the island is enormous, supporting the work of the mission through education and health services, pastoral work in the parishes, and the foundation of the local sisters' congregation, the Sisters of Nazareth. Mention must be made here of the cooperation and friendship between the Marist Missionary Sisters and the Marist Brothers on Bougainville, beginning with the arrival of the brothers in 1948 and continuing to the present time, time of writing, 2003. Examples include the superb teacher training programs jointly devised by Sister Catherine, now Emma Martinuzzi, and Brother Cornelius Keating in the 1960s, and the presence of Sister Rabuna Wakinetti on the staff of the Mabiri Education Centre in 2003. From the time of their arrival, the sisters promoted the welfare of Bougainvillian women. While teaching in the parish primary schools, they were concerned about the educational disadvantage suffered by girls whose education was generally not a high priority on Bougainville in earlier times. Discussions with Bishop Wade resulted in the decision to open St. Mary's High School for girls at asatavi in 1956 with Sister Catherine Martinuzzi as the foundation headmistress. Until the school closed in 1990 because of the crisis, St. Mary's Asitavi and St. Joseph's Rigu were sister schools, cooperating in many activities, social, academic and cultural. Asitavi reopened briefly in 1994 as a Catholic agency school, there being no SMSM sisters available to join the staff. The school accepted enrolments of both boys and girls, but the ongoing crisis created great difficulties. Brother Malcolm Hall volunteered for the staff, teaching a full load of religious education and mathematics. Asatavia was in the BRA controlled area and there were regular visits by armed fighters. Some of these situations became dangerous when rascals entered the school to demand food or clothing. The incident, which led to the closure of the school, occurred in March, 1994. Malcolm describes the 10th scene. Last Monday night, I was on duty and I was sitting down with the students at the evening meal when 20 or 30 armed BRA attacked us. It was so sudden, we were really caught. They hounded everybody into the mess, brandishing their rifles and knives about, sweeping everything off the table, forcing the students to lie on the floor and threatening them. They eventually saw me. They couldn't miss me, the only white. And they stuck a knife at my throat. It was strange, but I didn't feel any emotion whatever. One of the BRAs said something to one student in talk place language. The boy immediately covered his face with his hands while the rebel sighted the rifle at the boy's head. I put my hand in front of the rifle and I said, No gut, no can make him all same. No, you can't do that. After a bit of hesitation, he lowered the rifle, end of quote. Later, during the same incursion, a security guard was killed, two students were injured, and the school was looted for food and clothing. The school closed immediately, and the students were evacuated. Malcolm moved to Hahila with Julian Huckerman, and later worked at Tallina for a time. In 1996, Asatavi reopened with Julian Huckerman as headmaster and Malcolm Hall on the staff. Brothers John Malamo and Bernard Kangu joined the community in 1997. Similar problems occurred, although the school struggled on until May 1998 when disputes with local landowners compounded the already tense situation and again the school was forced to close. Along with the Asatavi Marist community. The Asatavi Grade 10 students were accommodated at Tallina High School, and some Asatavi teachers, including John Malamu, continued teaching them there. Malcolm Hall returned to Australia in 1996, where, in October 1998, he died suddenly of a heart attack. Malcolm had spent many years as a missionary. In Papua New Guinea, Solomon Islands and Pakistan. Mabiri Education Centre, Bougainville The Maris brothers, at a regional meeting of the Bougainville communities held at Shabai in 1997, confirmed their intention to return to central Bougainville as soon as it was possible to do so and discussed the possibility of a combined vocational centre and high school opening at Marbiri. When hostilities ended on Bougainville in January 1998, conditions were ripe for the brothers' return. During 1998, on the invitation of Peter Cullisoy and other chiefs from central Bougainville, Bernard McGrath, accompanied by Lawrence McCain, made two trips to Marbiri to meet with landowners and other stakeholders in the Mabiri project. Meanwhile, Brother Ken MacDonald was in Australia that year undertaking a course in trauma counselling to consolidate his experience of supporting ex competent students and others at Tallina and to prepare himself for similar work at Mabiri. The Mabiri Education Project began in 1999 with Bernard McGrath, John Malamo and Ken Macdonald forming the first community. The plan was to give enrolment preference to young men coming out of the bush, that is, the ex-fighters, and to students who were not coping in other schools due to crisis-related trauma issues. Given such enrolment criteria, it was possible to attract funding from a range of overseas aid agencies, including the New Zealand and Australian governments and Miserior in Germany. Virtually all pre-crisis buildings were unusable or required renovation, but gradually over the following years, new school buildings were constructed. The opening enrolment was about 30 Grade 9 students, followed in 2000 by the first vocational class and a new Grade 9 intake to give a total enrolment of about 80, increasing to about 200 by 2003. Enrolment applications far exceeded the school's capacity. The success of the Marbiri Education Centre was outstanding, primarily because of the excellent care provided by the staff. Ken McDonald had a focal role in providing counselling support, while the whole staff worked hard to establish a good spirit among the young men. By 2003, the proportion of students who were severely affected by the crisis had decreased, as most of that age group had moved out of the school system. At the time of writing, 2003, the Marbury Education Centre provides excellent vocational and high school education for young men of Bougainville at a critical time in their lives. Of course, in the year of this recording, 2021, Marbury continues and is doing excellent work. Avu Avu, Guadalcanal, Solomon Islands. Avu Avu on the remote weather coast of Guadalcanal was known to Maris Brothers from 1938 when the first community visited Vada Buddha there in December of that year. There is a map of Guadalcanal on page 14 of the book. And on the website which accompanies this, this recording. No doubt, because of the remarkable period of 40 years' work in the area by that outstanding missionary priest, Avu-Avu has always been a strongly Catholic area. Three of the first Solomon Island brothers came from here, Howard Sukuatu, Chanel Diki, and Alphonsus Lamanasa. Brother Henry Ugini, who worked for, at Avu-Avu from 1989 to 1991, recalls the background to the decision for the brothers to go there. Quote, the brothers wanted to establish an outreach community in Solomon Islands staffed by local brothers. Avu being on the weather coast, was relatively remote and there were limited educational opportunities for the children. We wanted to help raise the education standard in the area and to inject some Marist elements. Importantly, the Avu people requested the brothers to go there. The first community, consisting of brothers Tim Nyele, Henry Ugini, and Emil Tong, began work at Avoavu in January 1989. The parish priest was Father Augustin Gavey, assisted by newly ordained Father Chanel Dicky, who was formerly Amara's brother. Harold Keke's forces killed Father Gavey during the Solomon Island tensions in August 2002. The two priests made the brothers welcome at Avu-Avu, providing meals for them for the first few weeks. Tim Niele, himself an Avu-Avu man, recalls his time at the school. I was excited to be going to my home, my parish and my people, but I was always conscious that I didn't want the One Talk system to take control of my decisions. The one-talk system involves a custom where support and sometimes favouritism is shown to those who speak the same language. Back to the quote. Emil and I taught in the secondary school where we lived on campus, while Henry taught at the hoholau Primary School, a 20-minute bike ride away across the river. We were among our own people and lived in the same simple housing. I liked the simplicity of life there. We were just the same as everyone else on the staff. Using old fuel drums, we constructed a septic system, so we had our own flush toilet. We did it ourselves and demonstrated how easy it is to do using one's own initiative. For the first year, I had no position of responsibility in the school. I became the deputy in 1990 and then principal from 1991 to 1993. During my time as principal i made an all-out effort to make sure the late teachers were ready to take over the school. My idea was to train them to take on the leadership roles. By the time we left at the end of 1993 they were ready to take up the challenge. The deputy was a very capable person and quite a few of the teachers were Teneru ex-students And had seen the brothers at work there. Henry Uguni reflects on the work at Avuavu Our relationship with the people, staff, and students was wholesome. Our presence brought great happiness to the people who felt the needs of their children were being met. We used our limited resources to provide the best possible learning opportunities for the students. We provided education for the poor, the remote and the neglected. The students were innocent, docile, disciplined and keen to learn. People were free to come to our house and felt welcome there, just as the brothers felt accepted in the homes of the people. People really saw the brothers witnessing in a simple way to their Marist charism. I felt a vital difference in living my Marist call in a Melanesian setup. I felt I gave all I had to help educate neglected children who have a right to education. I hope that if manpower allows for it, we will establish more outreach communities in the Solomon Islands. End of quote. Other brothers who worked at Avu Avu were Joseph Aquasitalao and Jack Callisto. In 1993, the Solomon Islands government offered Tim Nyele a scholarship for further studies in educational administration. The District Council could not easily find a replacement for Tim at Avu Avu, so the future of the community there was in doubt. Tim, however, assured the District Council that the staff was ready to resume management of the school without the brothers' presence. Thus, The Avu-Avu community closed at the end of 1993. Tim Niele gained a Master's in Educational Administration at the University of New England, Australia, and returned to Solomon Islands in 1996, where the Ministry of Education appointed him as Director of School Inspections, coordinating the monitoring of curriculum and teaching standards in schools throughout the country. St. Joseph's Teneru, Solomon Islands. In 1991, the brothers at St. Joseph's Teneru were, Noel Hickey, Edwin Hinua, Peter Page, and newcomers Gonzaga Gonsiger N- Nabs and Faber Turnbull. Joe Nielsen was the new lay headmaster with Peter Page his deputy. Faber's 70th birthday celebration in December turned out to be a memorable occasion, as he records in the annals. Gons decided that a leg of lamb would make an ideal dinner for both my birthday and for Christmas. Faber, whose turn it was to cook, had the roast done to a turn and then put it aside on a high bench, while joining the others for the pre-drinks. The kitchen door was open after the cooking, and the day was very hot, so hopefully the evening breeze might cool the kitchen a little. The pre-dinner drinks had scarcely been taken when there was an almighty crash in the kitchen. Faber and Gons raced out to investigate. What a sight met their horrified eyes. The meat plate lay shattered on the floor, but of the roast, not a sign. A stray mongrel had sniffed an irresistible feast and hit the jackpot of its miserable life. Along with the shattered plate, lay the shattered dream of a delicious dinner there was nothing else to do but to sorrowfully open a tin of fish End quote in 1992 the japanese ishiki memorial was constructed in the school grounds and unveiled in the presence of japanese dignitaries some 200 japanese tourists visited the ishiki memorial in 1995 the 50th anniversary of the end of World War II. 1995 also saw the introduction of Form Six at St Joseph's, an extra year of secondary, which at that time was the prerequisite for university education. This change required the introduction of some new courses and the construction of extra classrooms and a girls' dormitory. The Golden Jubilee of St Joseph's Tenaru was celebrated in grand style over a weekend in May 1996. Guests of honour were former staff members, brothers Coleman Carroll and Vincent Checkleton. Tree plantings, a concert, cultural items, historical presentations and a community feast were held over the weekend. A special Jubilee edition of the school magazine, Whispering Aru, was published later that year to mark the occasion. The Jubilee Library project began in 1996. Designed to provide facilities and resources for the former Six class, the Jubilee Library building progressed slowly because of a shortage of funds. It was completed in 1998. Ethnic tensions on Guadalcanal. In May 2000, St Joseph's closed because of the tensions on Guadalcanal and it did not reopen until the following year. The story of the tensions on Solomon Islands and their complex background is a bit beyond our scope in this book. However, the following simplified and incomplete facts might provide some understanding of the issues which led to the school's closure. Problems were brewing in the Solomon Islands for many years because of the occupation of land on Guadalcanal by people from other provinces, particularly Malaita. A large number of Malaitan people resided in and around Honiara, and some traditional landowners felt that they were not properly compensated for this land use. A rapidly expanding population added to the pressures. These issues came to a head with the formation of the Guadalcanal Revolutionary Army, the G.R.A., headed by Harold Keke, and the Isitabu Freedom Movement, IFM, Guadalcanal militants, who, in 1998 and 1999, focused on driving out Malayan settlers from rural Guadalcanal. A major upheaval resulted with fighting, burning of houses, destruction of property and the displacement of thousands of people. Towards the end of 1999, the Malaita Eagle Force, MEF, emerged, recruited from the Malaitan settlers on Guadalcanal. During 2000, the MEF raided police armories and on 5 June 2000 seized control of Honiara. In a political coup, it forced the resignation of Prime Minister Ulufa'alu, and installed a new government consisting mostly of the former opposition. There was a ceasefire agreement in August 2000 and new elections in December 2001, which installed the new Prime Minister, Sir Alan kemakeza In spite of these developments, many tensions remained. Law and order was a major problem. And worst of all, the economy of the country virtually collapsed. In July 2003, the Australian government, concerned about the deteriorating situation in Solomon Islands, decided to send an intervention task force of police and military, their rather ambitious, officially stated intention being to, quote, restore law and order, recover the economy and restore lasting peace. End of quote. In the main, the arrival of the task force, known as Ramsey, Regional Assistant Mission to Solomon Islands, was well accepted by Solomon Islands, and at the time of writing, 2003, conditions in the country appear to be improving. We now move on to the community and the school. Events at Teneru during the tensions. On May 2000, Guadalcanal militants, the IFM, set up a bunker at the entrance to the school. Their commanders assured the staff of their safety, but Malayton staff members were understandably afraid. The following day, the school closed, and with police assistance, students were transported to Honiara. After the school closed, the situation at Teneru deteriorated, with frequent exchanges of gunfire in the area. Joe Hughes moved to town, where he stayed at Holy Cross, and later with the Dominicans. Noel Hickey followed soon after. Severino Lausau, Edwin Hinua, and Tim Nyele stayed at Teneru, either at La Manasa or St Joseph's. In the podcast, uh, you will find a recorded story by Severino Lausau, telling his experiences during the tensions. Back to the reading. Trips to the town became more difficult, as roadblocks were set up in different places and different times by either the MEF or the IFM. Often enough, the brothers heard gunfire nearby, and on one occasion, bullet holes were found in the wall of the brothers' house. These holes are still there at the time of writing. The annals entry of 5 June 2000 records a near miss for brother Edwin. Quote, Edwin was sitting in the main room, and on hearing the gunfire, hurriedly went to the chapel and lay on the floor. When he finally went back to the main room after everything was quiet, there was a bullet hole just where his head had been, just where his head would have been, right in the line of fire End of quote. Brother Severino Lausau who remained at Teneru during the height of the tensions in 2000, recall some experiences from that time. It was an anxious time for us, hearing the guns and sometimes bombs of opposing groups by night and day. After Noel and Joe left, we three Solomon Islanders remained. It was interesting, because we had one Guadalcanal, Tim, one Makira, Edwin, and one Malayton, myself. However, I felt support from my two brothers. At first, I suggested to Tim that it might be safer for him in town, but he was concerned for me and suggested I go to town where there were many militants. I didn't want to leave my two brothers alone at Teneroo, so we all decided to stay. Among the militants were some ex-students we trusted, which gave us a little bit of peace of mind. All our communications were cut and we felt isolated. Sometimes the militants came asking for drinking water. I hated seeing them walk into the school with guns, so I challenged them to leave their guns outside. After a month or so, Brother Noel visited us on the weekends, bringing our basic needs, and after three months I ventured into Honiara. It was like coming out of prison. But the feeling was tense and fearful, and no one wanted to talk about the crisis. I was afraid in town, not trusting anyone enough to share my stories. End of quote. At times the brothers were turned back at roadblocks on the highway to town, but after the signing of the peace accord in October 2000, it was easier to travel the highway. When the school opened again in 2001, life resumed in a somewhat normal fashion. Although, the phone service to the school had been destroyed and there were frequent power blackouts, as well as an increase in stealing and other criminal activity. Death of Brother Edwin medicine Ahinua. Brother Eddie, as most people around Teneru affectionately knew him, died on 7 August 2001, after a long illness. He was aged 68. He was buried the following day, beside Brother Alphonsus Lamanasa. The presiding priest, Father Jack Harris, CM of the Holy Name Seminary Staff, referred to Edwin's life and mission as a Marist brother. Quote, Brother Eddie touched the future in his role as a brother. His dedication and leadership have produced so many leaders from among the students he taught in the 1960s, 70s, 80s and 90s. End quote. In his comments, district leader Brother Brendan Neely referred to Edwin's fidelity to religious life and the difficulties he experienced in living between two cultures. Edwin's death was a significant milestone for the Solomon Island brothers as they buried their most senior member and the last surviving brother of the pioneering group of young Solomon Island boys who traveled to Australia in the 1950s. 1938, Revisited. It was a historic moment in January 2000, when two Morris brothers returned to teach at Maddow where James, John and Ephraim had begun, 62 years before. It was a new beginning in a new century. Brother Henry Oguni taught in the primary school at Makina Mission, while Brother Michael Jones was on the staff at Potau High School, about an hour away by canoe. The brothers' house was in the Mission compound, a short distance below the site of the 1938 house. The Morris brothers' Returned to Marau, still an isolated and educationally deprived area of the Solomon Islands, held great promise of developing into an outreach to disadvantaged people and once again establishing a strong Marist Brothers' presence in that remote part of Guadalcanal. It was not to be. The Marau area was a centre of militant activity because of a large number of Malatans who had settled at the eastern end of the island. Michael Jones returned to Australia in April 2000 to be with his seriously ill mother, and soon after, during the mid year vacation, Henry returned to Malaita for the holidays. At that time, the militants looted the mission, the school, and the brothers' house. As a result, the schools closed indefinitely and the brothers did not return. The first Marist community at Marau was forced to close as a result of the Second World War. By a powerful coincidence, the Solomon Islands tensions caused the closure of the Second Community on the same site. The need remains, as Brother Tim Neely suggests in his reflections on the Marau closure. Now, in 2003, people at Marau are still asking if the brothers can come back. We went there to serve the Bush people, the Birau people, That part of Guadalcanal is still way behind in terms of education. There is a need to encourage the bush people to attend school so that we can improve their standard of living. That's why the bishop wanted us to return to Marao. I really like that place. The people are simple and supportive. They like the brothers to return. Our memories are there. It's a historical place for us. End quote. Old places, new life. Solomon Islands and Bougainville will always be special places for Marists, for our ancestral stories are there. When the brothers went back to Marrow in 2000, a cycle was complete, as the brothers were back in the place where the story began. Yet, far from being a triumphal return, that short-lived opening reminded us of our own fragility and the unfilled educational and spiritual needs of so many. Nonetheless, in other places in Solomon Islands and Bougainville, the Maris story continues as a growing number of young Melanesian brothers take up the challenge of making Jesus Christ known and loved through education of those most in need. Maris Brothers Constitutions, Article 2.